everybody, Scott Burnside back for another morning edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. And this NHL playoff year does not disappoint. Every single night, a little chaos, a little drama, some upsets. But I got to tell you, Joe Smith, our good pal in Tampa, I'm feel I'm already feeling nostalgic for Tampa Columbus. It, it's it's over, but I got to tell you, it, I felt like that that matchup that five game set packed enough uh excitement and emotion for an entire playoff year uh and i I thought your wrap-up was tremendous but there has to be a huge sense of relief for this tampa bay lightning team to i know we're just one round in right it feels like they've done something and they really haven't but for a team that went through what they did a spring ago against columbus this must be uh, this is a significant moment for this team i think it definitely is, Scotty. Um, you know, and it's it would be simple to call it revenge. I don't know if I said revenge, more of like uh, a first key step to redemption from what happened last year. That it's not going to be over with until they make a a deep run here. But it's also a validation of things that they changed and did following that humbling sweep last year against Columbus. They had to take a long, hard look at everything. Um, they didn't overhaul their systems or their structure at all, but they did. Uh, tweak their mentality a bit. Uh, they, get, they focus more on their defensive game. They focused on being able to be t- mentally tougher and visibly tougher. Uh, they focused on trying to be better in one goal games, which uh, was an issue uh, last year. And they won f- and they won uh, four of them in this playoff series. So, including a five overtime game and a one overtime game. So, um, as John Cooper said, we waited 422 days for this. Uh, there's a there was definitely a cathartic release uh, and relief. You can see with his, his fist bump after the handshake line and um, the emotions from this one, especially against against the Columbus team that you had to go through to kind of slay the dragon a bit to get past that first round. And the way they did it uh, with their, their acquisitions, the deadline and Goudreau and Coleman coming up uh, in such a big way um, after they spent so much so much capital on them and the, uh, the deadline. Um, to see it kind of show that resilience really, I think, gave them some validation of what they've been doing and confidence that, um, you know, this is just the first step in what they hope is a long road to um, get to the end there. I, I, I just think it's fascinating because, you know, Julian Breezeball really did push all the chips into the middle, right? I mean, it, it, what he, you know, the assets that went out the door to bring in, you know, a guy like Barkley Goodrow, who maybe people, especially in the East, you know, unless you stayed up to watch Game 7 of that uh, um, San Jose-Vegas uh, series a year ago. I mean, maybe you don't really have a sense of who Barkley Goodrow is. Uh, you know, maybe more so you understood Blake Coleman coming in. Maybe people were like, Kevin Chattenkirk, really? You know, sort of flamed out in New York. You get Zach Bogosian, who signs after being essentially cast off the island in Buffalo. Um, and, and and it all comes together. And those guys really, you know, Patrick Maroon has been there all year, but uh, after winning a cup with St. Louis, but it, it, all of those guys at various points in this series, and, and I think especially um, in the last couple of games, um, when you look at Goodrow and um, Coleman playing along with uh, Yanni Gord, uh, I, did you name them the Nat line? Can, can you take credit for that, Joe? Or who's who came up with that? that moniker well i think you know just like john cooper called the triplets you know kind of triplets before i think he called these guys the gnats so i think i called them the the gnats or the pain in the ass line you know just the way that they play <laughs> uh but 
Uh, there are no t-shirts made yet for them, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things you can put lines together in a blender all the time. And some of them don't work well at all. And some just click automatically. And that was their best line during the series. And to have your best line, that group, not to t- take pressure off the, the point Pilat and, um, in Kucherov line, they would really set the tone every period. They started every period in overtime. They um, had some big time goals, and even Blake Coleman got his first goal as a Lightning player, and so did Barkley Goudreau the game before. Um, and they really play a similar style of, of relentless forecheck, fast, uh, with an edge, a little gnarly to their game um, that really paid off, and it'll be important in the playoffs. And you look at with Shattenkirk, he had the emotional speech yesterday in, in in uh, game five after second intermission, Cooper all, Cooper gave a little speech after there to kind of reassure them that they're a talented team that get caught up in, in officiating and all the different penalties that were getting called. And then Shattenkirk stepped up and really kind of got them going. And so you're right. Every moment there's been a big, big time um, uh, thing that these guys have done. And Bogosian, like you wrote about uh, beautifully a couple of days ago, has really been a kind of a, a low risk um high reward signing uh, with Victor Hedman and his partner that's the whole playoffs the Brutes out. So um, he hit, hit all the right buttons Julian Brazewell did so far, and he's hoping it'll be continuing into the playoffs here. One of the important parts of having you come and join us on the podcast, Joe, is it, yeah, well, it's obviously your coverage of the Lightning, but more importantly, it's to pump my tires. So thank you for mentioning uh-huh. the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just So looking ahead, I'm just curious, you know, I mean, no Steven Stamkos and who knows what is on the horizon for him. Didn't play at all um, in the play in the round robin and then certainly not in these five games against Columbus. Um, do you have is there any way to get a sense of whether he's close? Uh, I know the information is so stunted coming from the NHL, a bit ridiculous on that front. But uh, any sense on whether we might see him in a second round or in a conference final if the Lightning are able to prevail? It's it's a really tough question, Scotty, and like I, I I wish I was there in the bubble, which I was able to watch practices, and they really kind of shut things down, and um, it really seemed like I don't know if it's a setback is the right word, but because he the first week in Toronto, he was full practice with the group, hit his first media availability in months, and said, hey, I, the best I felt practicing on a line with Sorelli and Kalorn, and you're thinking, okay, he could play, maybe he want to run robin games, and maybe start the series, and then all of a sudden he just stopped. You know, he practiced on his own or wasn't part of the group. And then, um, you know, John Cooper says he's out indefinitely until he's not. And the injuries are predict- unpredictable. And and he'll tell us, the first to tell us when he's available to play. And I asked him last Friday, um, any updates? And he said he's rehabbing. That's all I can say. So um, maybe this break and the chance to pr- get some practice time in will be able to help. Um, but, yeah, it's just such a cloud of mystery here with Stephen Stamkos because it's been since early March since he had that core surgery. And then he had a – lower body injury that was related to it um, in phase two um, of the, the return to play. And, you know, you know, no one else is working harder than him to get back and you just kind of feel for him with all he's been through his injuries to, to play. And we kind of wrote a lot about how core surgery is such a complicated rehab and recovery process. We never really kind of feel the same for maybe a year after that. And there's so many ways you can kind of overcompensate and, um, and re-injure yourself. So, um, to be honest, I don't know when he'll be back. Like, I think if having a break between series might help and get more practice time and get more workouts with the team. But um, obviously, honest, I have no idea if he'll be able to be ready for um, second round. 
Uh, before we leave the lightning, uh, great great job by you, and, and really a nice moment for uh, Rick Peckham to close out his Hall of Fame broadcasting career. Of course, after the first round, locals aren't uh, aren't part of the broadcast process in the playoffs, and uh, for him to be able to call an overtime winner, uh, such an emotional time and, and an important time for this franchise's history, and he's been an important part of that too, and I thought you captured it nicely, and, and good of you to sort of uh, include his call. You've been around that team a long time, uh, Joe. And what's it? I mean, what's that like to to sort of bid adieu to a, a guy who's been a really important part of uh, of bringing the lightning to that uh, fan base? It, it's it's hard to imagine him not being there or calling the games. Quite frankly, I've only been around the team for about ten years. Of his twenty four, twenty five, he's been with the lightning um, overall. But you know, just a fixture and. Uh, terrific professional, great guy, awesome golfer. If you ever played golf with him, um, uh, just such a beloved guy by all the fans and um, uh, the, the staff. And yeah, he, John Cooper tried to FaceTime him after minutes after they won their game yesterday to give him uh, a, a send off and players did tributes for him. And they had the champagne on set and post game. And, and it was really, I let I did my story of, in his own words of fitting, you know, you know, kind of take day blow by blow of his, his final day there. But, um, you know, just a true pro, a guy that they're going to be a hard time replacing. They'll hopefully have a replacement in the next month or so here. But um, a guy that they'll definitely be around in a picture with the organization and as long as he wants to, to stay in Tampa Bay. But, you know, they're both, these guys are like the faces of your organization, right? The faces of your, the voice of your team and, and as it links to your fan base. And that's why it's such a, uh, emotional thing for a lot of fans yesterday to watch that final call and it was a what, what a way to walk off right an overtime game-winning goal to clinch a series victory against Columbus I'll remember that one for the rest of his life you know it, it's funny and we, you know, we had John Forslund on uh, our, our two-man advantage uh, with Pierre oh no I, I think it was when Pierre was away frankly it was when uh, Eric DeHattrick was filling in but you know just talking about his connection to the franchise in Carolina and I, I think you're right I think those you know those jobs are important, and I, you know, times change, and all those kinds of, you know, the the the, the world changes around you, sort of thing. But I, I'm with you, uh, Joe, especially in markets. Well, I think it's, I think it's true of all markets. I don't care whether it's you're in Philly or in Toronto or in Nashville or Tampa. I think those people are really important, and and I'm glad you gave Rick his proper due on a on a good special day for him. Before I let you go, couple series yet to wrap up. In the Eastern Conference, we know that Boston dusted uh, Carolina. A very uh, strange end for the uh, Hurricanes, I thought. And uh, get, good on Boston for all of what they've gone through to to wrap up that series in a like five-game manner. Uh, but Washington still hoping to keep themselves alive. Down 3-1 against the Islanders. They play tonight. And last night, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but for a series that I really had such low expectations for, Philadelphia-Montreal, I just figured Montreal might have spent what they had in knocking off Pittsburgh in the first round. Um, they have been the better team. They're down 3-2. Um, but blood, violence, uh, comebacks, all kinds of chaos on that ice in Toronto. And Montreal's still alive. Uh, down 3-2 now. I-, I wonder if you're... I mean, is there a level of surprise for you, uh, given how well Philly played to earn the number one seed going into the first round and basically you know, sort of how they were built? But but Montreal may have rattled them a bit. They, they might have. I mean, this is, you know, Philly doesn't have a lot of 
playoff experience in recent years, a lot of those guys, especially Carter Hart. Um, and I look at back at this, I was wondering going into the first round whether the Lightning would play Montreal or they play Columbus and which one would be the, the worst matchup or not. But you look at, at you know, Columbus gave them all they could handle. But Mon- Montreal, for a, a team that was sellers at the deadline um, and thinking about not being in the playoffs at all, thinking about next year, um, they're really taking advantage of this moment with all their young players. And um, so, yeah, that's been a one fun series I've loved to watch uh, each each game because you never know what you're going to get. Um, and see that Jonathan Drew had set up the game winner last night. And, um, you know, it's it's just a, it's been a fascinating playoffs all, all around. Scotty, I don't know if you've ever been around one like this uh, from the play-in series on so far. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that, who wins that series. And I think the Lightning fans want to know if they're playing Boston or not. And obviously that who wins that series, Montreal and, and, and the Flyers could decide it too. I uh, couldn't have said it better myself, Joe, and uh, I can almost guarantee this is not the last time we will be calling on you this playoff year, but thanks for dropping by, and we will go to a break, and when we return, Jeremy Rutherford plundering some poor neighbor's electricity, no doubt, to bring us an update on the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. So don't go away. We'll be right back. I love my high student loan payment, said no one ever. So you should check to see if refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payments. Checking takes just two minutes. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. If you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest's customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now, you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash two men. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Ernest.com slash two men. Not available in all states, so visit Ernest.com slash two men. For more details, terms and AMP conditions apply. Ernest student loan refinance loans are made by Ernest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401- N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit ernest.com licenses for a full list of licensed states. Jeremy, actually, I know your power's back on, so you know you're not really <laughs> siphoning electricity from some other people in the, uh, in the greater St. Louis area. But uh, talking about power, look, I'm making my own segue here. Talking about a, a power issue... Uh, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. People maybe have been ignoring me, which which isn't unusual. But I've been saying for a long time, you can't you can't neutralize Tyler Mott. You can only hope to contain him <laughs> the best you can. And the St. Louis Blues, my gosh, what a game last night! As uh, Vancouver came from behind, down three one in the second period, came back to win four three to take a three two series lead. Tyler Mott. Two unbelievable goals, including an early shorthanded 
uh, go on a uh, – that was late in the first period, was it not? Or, but, yeah, uh, first period. Yeah, first period. And then the game winner, uh, you know, with the – it just uh, – for a time it looked like all of the narrative that, yes, the Blues were back and they were going to assert themselves and, and really teach the young and upcoming Canucks what it means to play in a playoff series – uh, we're now looking at a completely different narrative going into Game Six, and I wonder, you know, what's what's your level of surprise? Give me uh, one out of a scale of one to ten. Your level of surprise that this is where we're at right now. Yeah, I think it probably uh, a seven. And uh, Tyler Mott, by the way, doing his uh, best Bo Horvat impression. He was uh, he was quick on the wheels and had the moves on, on the goaltender. So a couple big goals. You know, Scotty, what surprised me about last night and kind of raises that surprise level a little bit is that uh, the Blues were dominating Vancouver uh, the past couple of games. Yeah. Throughout the series, they'd been dominating them five on five. And so you had a situation last night where the Blues are up three to one. They're on the verge, granted, you know, 20 plus minutes away, but they're on the verge of going up three, two in the series. If you look at this Vancouver team, they don't have a lot of playoff experience. They're young, talented guys. And you didn't expect that kind of pushback. And to me, if you watch that game last night between the Blues and Canucks, I think the Blues were surprised that Vancouver was able to push back, and especially five on five. I think it just kind of caught them off guard. Once they get one goal, two goals, all of a sudden they're back into it and uh, and then win the game. I, I'm with you. Like, you know what? To me, this series, and I'm uh, you and I traded a text yesterday, and uh, I get that the people on the West Coast they they deserve some primetime hockey. <laughs> I, I I don't begrudge them that. I do uh, I do wish they I do wish there was a way that we could see them at a better time because uh, you know after a full day of hockey, it, you know that's uh, that ten forty five Eastern start. I know I'm an Eastern centric guy, but I, I do feel that uh, the sad part for me is that there may be some hockey fans who have missed out on really a compelling series that has had it's and to your point exactly you know punch counter punch this series this should be where the blues have um really you know announced their presence right i mean we saw them last year they are the ultimate uh bounce back team and they're gonna have to do it again but i i just i've been so impressed by travis green the head coach in vancouver um jacob markstrom that save he made there was at one point i think it was still two one blues and the puck came off the official and he flung himself across the ice to make an unbelievable stop uh you're right this vancouver team has showed so much resilience and i wonder now if you're craig berube You've got some decisions to make. Obviously, Vladimir Tarasenko has gone home. Um, you know, I mean, they've been playing without him basically, you know, all for a long time, um, you know, throughout the season, obviously. And then even when he came back, I didn't think he was he was obviously quite right. But what's your take on what he does in, in goal? I thought Jake Allen, who came in, helped tie the series with two strong performances in a row uh, in relief of Jordan Bennington. But... I don't know, you know, a couple of questionable goals, some tough angle um, uh, pucks that got by him to allow Vancouver to get back in the lead in the series. What's your take on on where Craig Berube goes next for, in terms of his lineup? 
Well, he's going to have to counter Travis Green because that's an outstanding coaching job by Travis Green. Obviously, he has the uh, the terrific goaltender in Jacob Markstrom, who, yeah, that Scotty, that game could have been 4-1, 5-1 last night. A couple of huge saves by him. If only he were going to be an unrestricted free agent, right? <laughs> the goaltender. Uh, but what Travis Green last night, and, and I'll, I'll lead this into uh, Craig Bruby and the Blues, uh, what Travis Green did last night is he mixed up the forward combinations, and the Ryan O'Reilly line had owned uh, the last Pedersen line. And, you know, the matchups have been going back and forth, but he swapped uh, Pedersen and Horvat last night. And our good colleague at the Athletic, Thomas Drance, after the game, said that Travis Green actually used eight different forward combinations for at least one minute last night, five on five. So he was putting them through the blender. And I think that uh, gave the Blues a different look. And, and I think that maybe it gave Vancouver uh, some energy up front uh, when they were finding the right combination and, and putting some pressure on. So now the big question in St. Louis is for Craig Bruby, what's he going to do with the goaltender? I think he has to go back with Jordan Bennington. We all know what he did last year. Uh, Jake did his part. Jake did what he was supposed to do. Uh, he won two games and almost had a third one there. And at some point, you got to say, Jordan, we need you. And, and I think that's going to be game six for the St. Louis Blues. Here's the catch, Scotty. Blues have to play better in front of uh, either goaltender. And what happened last night defensively was just inexcusable. This is a championship roster that the Blues have. And you can't be talking like the Blues are talking after the game where Braden, says we, Braden Shen says we take uh, the foot off the gas. You just can't have that in that situation. So I would expect Jordan Bennington uh, but uh, this Blues team has to show a lot more if they want to even the series up. It's a, I, I mean, what's your gut tell you? I, I, to me, this has seven games written all over it, but maybe that's just me because I'm hoping that we'll see Game 7 actually in prime time or something. <laughs> but uh, it, what's your gut tell you? Is, is there, you know, because we've seen some teams... Man, it's just it's hard, right? It's they're they're in the bubble, the schedule's compressed, and some teams, you know, they're just like, okay, I, uh, we're out of gas. <laughs> but I wonder if this, it, what's your gut tell you about this Blues team? Because it's I, listen, you're defending Stanley Cup champions. No one's gonna, you know, even if you do lose in Game Six, you're probably gonna get a pass, right? I mean, I wonder if you think there's some of that in there or is there enough intestinal fortitude to say we're let's not let's not go out this way well as long as the majority of this current roster is together there's no way that i can ever say that uh, they're out of it because uh, i watched this group lose game six on home ice stanley cup finals last year the city is ready to erupt forget about the nineteen thousand in the building there were 30 to forty thousand outside and this team lost, lost game six on home ice and then went to Boston of all places and, and beat the Bruins uh, in game seven. So we all remember that. So you can't say in this series that, uh, hey, the Blues are out of it based on what we saw last night. However, that said, you know, Vancouver, I felt like, uh, you know, they weren't playing well at even strength. They didn't have much pushback in the series. And they showed both of those last night. And then not to mention that they have the difference in the series, especially after watching last night, is Jacob Markstrom. He, he was absolutely terrific, as we just touched on. So uh, to me, can the same thing happen in game six? Can can Vancouver play as, as well as it did and Markstrom play out of his mind? Yeah. And we don't know what the Blues goaltending situation is. So it would not surprise me whatsoever if Vancouver was able to close this out. You know, I think they're that good but I've just seen too much of this Blues team that's shown a ton of resilience and and also 
I wouldn't be surprised to see them right uh, their ship in game six. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, that I mean, there is a certain, you know, we've seen this in some other series, uh, you know, the potential for last game for uh, Justin Williams in his career with the Carolina Hurricanes. We don't know what the future will hold for Braden Holtby in Washington, although it's almost certainly not going to be as a netminder for the Capitals. And of course, uh, Captain Alex Petrangel with the Blues um, headed towards unrestricted free agency in these most uncertain of times. Um, you have to believe that this would be an emotional uh, dynamic for him as he prepares for an elimination game, uh, possibly the last game in a Blues jersey for him. It could be. And as far as I know, uh, with the Alex Petrangelo situation is he doesn't have any idea which way this is going to go. And and we all know the math. The Blues are going to have to clear a lot of cap space to be able to bring him back. And while Doug Armstrong and his crew, they might have some ideas. uh, I'm sure they do. uh, They still have to be able to execute some of those things to be able to, uh, to to find that money. So is it trading Jake Allen? Is it buying out Alexander Steen? There's a number of things that they have to do. Well, if they get knocked out, he'll be able to uh, to, to start on some of that stuff, but you, you still have other teams playing and you know that part of the season, the off season isn't here yet. So uh, a lot of unanswered questions. So to, to watch uh, the game Friday night, game six against the Vancouver Canucks and know that that could be uh, Alex Petrangelo's final game as a blue, I think, is a, is a real thought. My own personal feeling is they'll still try to find a way uh, to get him signed, moving th- some things around. Uh, but if it is the end for number 27 in St. Louis, um, you know, that's just a disappointing thought because, uh, you know, I really do think had we not had uh, the pandemic, had we not seen the, the uh, salary cap go down, I think there was a really good chance that uh, Alex Petrangelo and the Blues would have found some middle ground uh, to keep him here for a while. Uh, One quick prediction from you. The other Western Conference series still alive. The Dallas Stars have edged ahead of the Calgary Flames 3-2 in the battle of interim coaches there. They go with Game 6 tonight. Do you... Any thoughts? Uh, are we going to see a Game 7 in that one? I think probably a little bit like St. Louis. Dallas has been the better team um, for for a lot of this series. Has Cam Talbot got a, uh, got a, a series saver in him in the Calgary Nets? And will we see life from the top-end players on the Flames roster who have been very silent in this series, especially at even strength? Yeah, Scotty, I sure hope we see a game seven in this one. And, and to me, it's been a little bit of a surprise. I know that Dallas, you know, ha- has a good team. But, you know, when I watched them and, and I saw them a lot during the regular season, just a tough time scoring. And we all know the storyline with those top guys, uh, Ben and Sagan. But, you know, they've gotten a lot of uh, oomph from uh, Joel Pavelski in, in this series. And they've scored some big goals, some some timely goals. You know, I, I wish that Matthew Kachuk were out there. Maybe some people will wince when they hear that if they're not a Kachuk fan. But I, I just like the way he plays and, and, and what he would have brought to this series, I think, would have been uh, really fun to see. So does Talbot have another one? We'll see. I'd like to see a game seven. Uh, but uh, to me, at least we're seeing <laughs> five, six games in this series, right, Scotty, compared to the rest of them around the league? No kidding. I'm with you. I'm all for the drama. Of course, I don't have to leave my couch, so uh, it's easy for me to say. (laughs) All right, my friend. Well, you should always, of course, be following Jeremy Rutherford and his coverage at The Athletic St. Louis, and you can follow Jeremy at J.P. Rutherford. And download the We Went Blues podcast, and this week, Jeremy's guest, Brian O'Reilly, the father of 
Ryan O'Reilly. It's such an interesting family, Jr. Just, I, I, I can't wait to listen to this because it, that O'Reilly family is—they got a lot going on there. They really do. And uh, for people who don't know, Brian is, is kind of a life coach for athletes. And so when I reached out to him to see if he could do the podcast, uh, he said he's going to be talking to athletes throughout the day uh, today, but he'll make some time to talk to us on We Went Blues later on today. We want to talk to him about uh, Ryan O'Reilly and just the small details of his game. Uh, you know, he doesn't do anything flashy, but as we've seen in this series against Vancouver, he does all the right things. And we're going to talk to uh, his dad, Brian O'Reilly, on where that came from. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, as always, JR, glad your power is back on. And uh, if you're in the listening mood, there's no afternoon games uh, today. So you've got some time on your hands. Uh, we do know that uh, Gerard Gallant was uh, our guest. He joined Pierre Lebrun and I on our main two-man advantage podcast. So you should give that a listen. Bob McElligot joins Aaron Portslane to recap the Columbus Blue Jackets emotional season on front and nationwide at The Athletic. And Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus dissect the Chicago Blackhawks season. It was a bit of a surprise ending for them as they knocked off Edmonton and then gave Vegas a, a pretty good run in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, at uh, Laz and Powers at The Athletic. And you should always check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple and click on www.theathletic.com slash Two Man Advantage to get 40% off your subscription. And we'll be back tomorrow morning to wrap up the week at The Athletic and in the NHL playoffs, so don't miss that.